Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hello there, and welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm sad to report that this is, believe it or not, our last Collaborative Problem Solving at School of the school year. Um, next week being Memorial Day on Monday here in the United States, and the following week, me being in Denmark where it will be hard for me to do collaborative problem-solving at school, given the time change. So, this is it for the year, and I'm pleased to report that we're going to end the year with a bang with our friends from Anytown High School. Uh, We're also uh, not only going to get an update from our friends at Anytown High School, but we are going to... um, uh, I have two questions that I've been uh, storing up here uh, in the emails um, that haven't been answered yet, and so we will want to answer those as well. Um, But in the meantime, um, today's it until September. Don't worry. Collaborative Problem Solving at School will be back in September. Not exactly sure what the format is going to be. I'm hoping that our friends at any town will um, continue doing at least some of what they're doing. That's something they and I will figure out offline over the summer and um, Uh, see where we leave them off today. Um, They've gotten a good start, but um, we want to keep it going. Um, But uh, other format changes are being considered for next year as well. Obviously, the uh, educators panel will be back next year. Um, Enough talk about next year, though. We'll find out what's going on next year, next school year. In the meantime, let's bring on our friends at Anytown High School. Technology is needing to work a little bit better than it is now, and you all are on. How are you today? Good, thank you. Good. Um, what should we start with today? We've been, you know, this this has been replicating as close to real life what collaborative problem solving sounds like when it's being implemented in a school. So we really haven't been doing a whole lot differently just because we're doing this on live web-based radio. Um, But um, I always begin my supervision sessions with schools that I'm working with by asking them what's on their minds today. And I know that we're going to get an update on our efforts to do the empathy step with T, but where do you all want to start today? We were going to hopefully give you an update of um, some sessions that um, teachers had since our last meeting last week. Good. And to tell you the truth, whenever people are learning about collaborative problem solving, we start with the basics of the model, just to make sure that 
those are squared away. And we continue by getting as much of the paperwork related to the model, especially the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems in the Plan B flowchart, entered into the on the, the, the paperwork stream. Um, you know, paperwork has so much to do with what we end up doing in buildings. Um, we want to integrate the paperwork into our ongoing assessment and monitoring practices. ALSEP for assessment, Plan B flowchart for uh, monitoring. And then what we want to do is um, get good at Plan B. And that's sort of the phase we are in now at any town. So let, let's hear some updates and we'll figure out if we can improve anything. Go ahead. Well, T had um, another uh, uh, episode of losing her temper, and um, I'm not sure who else on the team spoke with her because we haven't had a chance to meet with her. We have one person who did. I'm not sure if she was in. Was she in your classroom when that happened? No. Okay. I pulled T from class to speak with her. This is Zena. Did you want me to start? Go ahead, oh, and, I'll, okay. and I can talk about my conversation with her later. My goal with T when I pulled her out of class was to try to figure out more specifically what kinds of questions and things get her frustrated on testing. As it turned out, T sort of wanted to just keep talking and talking and talking, so I let her go, and I wrote down a few notes just to keep track of what she was saying because there were so many different things going on. But it turns out that one of her biggest frustrations is in in terms of testing when her scores go down. Anytime her scores go down, she flips out. And so we have this reading program at school that she's been in since she was in prior grades. She's been in it probably three or four years now. And she is to a point where she feels like she is totally stuck in one of the tests that she took either today or end of last week, she ended up leaving the room because she had gone from like a 90% to an 80-something percent, and she just feels totally stuck. She's to a point where she doesn't even want to bother putting in effort anymore because she feels that even though when she's putting in effort, she's not getting anything out of it. And I have personally taught this particular reading class before, and I know that you can view the testing results as the educator in several different ways. So I suggested to T that I was going to go speak to her teacher and see if we could get a breakdown of the questions. And I haven't had a chance to meet with that teacher yet just because of scheduling conflicts. But hopefully the program will be able to pinpoint a certain type of question that T is having a problem with because she's, she's just extremely frustrated with that class. She, in terms of her math class, she expressed to me that she's been skipping more classes because there's a strict detention policy where if she's even a little bit late, she would get a detention. So she decides if the bells ring and she's, rings and she's not in the door that she just won't go to that particular class. Another topic she brought up was feeling tired a lot and that occasionally, recently, she hasn't been coming to school because she's felt just tired and so she's not coming in for that reason. And another thing that concerned me is, I'm not even sure at this point how we got talking about it, but she mentioned that she does not eat breakfast or lunch, and she started bringing up some of the more social side of how she feels, 
in terms of in class being frustrated, she said, sometimes if I'm just sitting there by myself, it's because I'm thinking to myself that I'm ugly, I'm dumb, I'm not good enough, and she's just having these very negative feelings towards herself. On the bright side, she did say that in certain classes where she's allowed to go through her notes and where the teachers have made a point of giving her help quickly, and if they present things in a very logical step-by-step -step order that she feels much more successful and confident with those types of problems. But it brings back the idea that she is very, very organized and likes things very clear-cut, black and white. And if a question is more open-ended or requires deeper processing than simply looking through her notes, that she is very quick to get frustrated with that. And I expressed to T that my goal was to try to figure out what kind of problems she was having the most trouble with, and we both talked at length about how, you know, that was difficult for her to pick out because once she gets frustrated, she kind of blows up and doesn't really realize what's bothering her about it. So I asked her if she could try to focus in on problems that start to make her feel frustrated and then bring those up to me the next time that we meet. Wow. We are now last week we talked about T saying things that ended drilling. Mm -hmm. Today it sounds like we're actually getting quite a bit of information from T. Uh, it sounds like we actually let her go this time, yes? We did, but I also quite a bit to say. I, I had to use some of the techniques that you presented to us last week to oh, keep okay, her going good. better to explain some things because, like, for example, with the food issue, I would ask her, you know, why don't you eat breakfast? And she would go back to the whole, it's just me, it's just what I do. So I tried to get her to open up more about that, which led me to sort of a startling discovery that she sits there and says those bad things to herself in her mind a lot of the day, and she's really getting down on herself a lot. So I tried to explain to her from a science perspective how eating more meals during the day is healthier for your body, and if you're going to work out and be an athlete like this particular student is, that it will help her to build more muscle and to not put on fat if she actually eats more frequently throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So we got into some side discussions as well that kind of got, got us it. a little off track. But Got it. Well, and to tell you the truth, I'd rather, this is always the rule of thumb, in a kid, so uh, uh, I got another question for you though, which is which of the drilling strategies you found to be most useful. But before you tell us, um, in a kid like T, who were sometimes having difficulty getting talking, we'd rather err in the direction of letting her talk more than we might normally, even if we are bouncing around a little bit. At least we are learning new things and gathering information. Um, better to do that than to try to stick so closely with a particular unsolved problem that we don't get as much information as we would have on a lot of her other topics. So I think you made the right call by letting her talk. Any any of the drilling strategies in particular that seem to be helpful? Um, the clarifying questions were really helpful. I mean, Good. I tried to do breaking things down into component parts, but we kind of hit walls with that because she just couldn't 
identify specific problems or assignments. I mean, it's kind of hard to look back through an entire week when you're a kid. So unless we had an example I I could have gotten from a teacher, I didn't really have much to work with, so it was hard to break it, break things down into components. Yep, but definitely clarifying statements. Great. Um, and so now it sounds like you are recognizing that having now heard quite a bit from T, we need to um, really start working on rather specific unsolved problems. Um, and that's one of the things we talked about last time is the need to um, really home in on a few because I'm starting to get the feeling that T could take us in a di different direction every time we talk with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which would which would cause us to and her to feel like ping pong balls, yeah. bouncing from one unsolved problem to the next each time we talk, with none of them ever really getting solved. Mm -hmm. So I guess the only thing I would say further is that I'm hearing the need for us to really decide, and this is sort of the fascinating thing. You know, T, the more I hear about her, the more unsolved problems she seems to have. And, you know, in a lot of the talks that I do, people are wondering, you know, how are we going to possibly – we agree that these unsolved problems have piled up, and we agree that there's a lot of them. How are we going to um, get all of these things solved in one school year? Mm. And the answer is one – unsolved problem and one student at a time you know the real answer is two or three at a time um, but only one being talked about at a time so I guess the big question is what uh, of the wide range of things we could be talking about with T which two or three do we really want to start homing in on so I was and trying I hard to get her in terms of the academics, feeling more comfortable with their academics, because T is the type of kid who can get A's and B's and is proud of herself, and her family is proud of her when she brings those things home. So if we can get her feeling comfortable in school and being able to work to her potential without getting so frustrated all the time, that, that would be a huge win for her. And the only problem with that is that She's getting frustrated about different things. Right. But she see, she did seem open to looking and trying to figure out what types of things are difficult for her. Like Great. She, was, she did seem receptive to that idea and coming back to me with ideas of her own. It sounds to me like you could stay busy with T for at least the rest of the school year <coughs> just working on academic frustrations. Yes. You could be busy for a long time that way very easily mm -hmm. but you know but this is the thing this is why it's important to sort of make a clear decision about what you want to focus on because and I've seen this happen we could spend the entire school year talking about a different problem every week and at the end of the school year and I, I've heard this said frequently people at the end of the school year will say we have processed with this kid till we're blue in the face we have talked with this kid till we're blue in the face. But we have to remember that collaborative problem solving, talking and processing might be the empathy step, sort of a rough description of the empathy step. But in collaborative problem solving, there's 
two more steps. There's us getting our concern on the table and find the problem step, and there's working towards solutions. Find that what happens frequently, not just in schools but in lots of places, we talk a ton about what's the matter. Nothing ever gets solved. Getting something solved, and not this, but this does not apply to Connor. Is that what we're calling the other kid? Yeah. Connor. Connor, y'all came up with solutions and we got there. I guess uh, the big question is, why are we getting to the point of talking about solutions with Connor, whereas it's turning out to be less easy with T? Is it because this was the first conversation in which we actually were able to get her talking? She just seems to be, I mean, I don't know Connor personally, but I know T and she just, you know, T is like a complex student. I mean, she's she came to us with just a lot of different um, factors, not just the academic lagging skills, but, you know, she presented with social lagging skills and, you know, peer, you know, lagging skills. And, I mean, she just seemed to have more challenges than I think Connor. You know, with Connor, it seemed easier to focus on specifically what seemed to be the challenge for him within, you know, a 15, 20-minute conversation with the three adults. Where with T, I mean, she has so many adults, you know, her teachers, myself, um, the guidance counselor. I mean, so many people that are trying to focus on the specific challenges that we see by identifying you know, the lagging skills and the unsolved problems, but yet, like you said, I mean, she's the kind of kid who it seems like every week something new pops up. Plus, it's extremely difficult with her because she's smart enough to recognize that solutions are not being found. You know, she said to me concerning her reading class, I know this is designed to help me. I know I'm not the best reader, but I've been doing this for years. And now my scores are going down. So I just don't want to put in the effort anymore. I don't see the point. You can tell me what's wrong all you want, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do better. I tried my best. I was doing my best. Maybe, miss, it doesn't look like it, but I was, and and my scores went down. In addition, I mean, I think the other other sense I have with talking to T is I think – in the past, she's been accustomed to um, the adults imposing their will, and so she's developed some coping mechanisms that I don't think have been as proactive as they could be, but she's gotten very good at utilizing those coping skills. And so I think it could be that for her experiencing this, you know, maybe she still doesn't trust that, you know, that this is for real, that we are really interested in doing a collaborative process with her because she's only experienced, I suspect, from talking with her and and knowing where she comes from and talking to other individuals um, that have worked with her in the past, that seems to be the case, where I don't think he experienced too much of the collaborative component. I think it was the adult 
imposing their will, and the expectation was that she was the student and she would perform what they were expecting. Yes. Well, you know, as it relates to the issues that we tried to tackle last week with T, mm-hmm. it sounds like we were definitely successful in getting her talking more than she had yes. been. So that's a success story. Yes. guess all I'm pointing out is there are definitely times when um, we might try to clump unsolved problems because there's enough similarity between them that um, we might be able to try to solve more than one at once. But T's academic difficulties, even though they all fall under the umbrella of academic, really do sound different from each other. And so Mm -hmm. in some respects, it almost feels like this is only our second or third week of doing collaborative problem solving with T because we finally have her talking, and that's good. I mean, she, she's the kid who we used the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems on the first time in, in the programs that are, for those who are interested, numbered Anytown 2 and Anytown 3 on the Lives in the Balance website. But um, between then and now, we've actually gotten little from her except that we can probably count off a dozen or so instances in which T became upset about something, mm-hmm. um, which means we may have a dozen or so unsolved problems that are different enough from each other that we really can't clump them or treat them as if they are similar, which means now that we got our talking, we got to pick the two or three. And it, it's definitely the case that, and this, this happens um, in work with parents, in work with other facilities besides schools, where, yes, it does feel like there's something different almost every day or every week. The big question is what to do with those while you're busy working on the ones that you actually want to be working on. Because um, that's, you know, that's really the, <laughs> that's where this gets sort of hard because, you know, if a kid's not talking, then you don't, you know, you should have prioritized already, but the kid's not talking, so you're not really feeling like you're getting much done. Right. Now that T is talking, we've kind of got to get the show on the road and get two or three unsolved problems solved so we can move to an, on to another two or three. Let, let, so if, you know, if we were to – my usual way of prioritizing is to think about whether any of the unsolved problems are setting in motion safety issues. If I've got safety issues, those are going to be my top priorities. Does that help us prioritize? Um. And by the way, if nothing's causing a safety issue, my next usual pass at trying to decide what to work on first, safe in the knowledge that we can't work on everything at once, if we try to work on everything at once, we won't end up working on anything really, is frequency. Are there unsolved problems that are that we could point to and say, these are the ones that are causing her difficulty most often? Any help there? Hey, I have a question. Sure. In terms of the safety, um, just with our, our most recent discussion, it concerned me that she was, you know, making these comments to herself that she's not attractive, she's dumb, she's this, she's that, she's the other thing. When we get to the teenage years, there's sort of that fear of, I hate to even say it, but like a self-mutilation type thing or some type of punishment. And we're not seeing that yet with T. But should we consider that type of thinking and those kinds of comments from her as a safety issue or 
because this is sort of the first time that that's come up, should we try to focus on something different? You know, unless I'm, I, I don't know if I would make that leap, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I think you all have enough unsolved problems to work on that probably could be considered high priorities without having to extrapolate from something that she's saying to an unsolved problem that could be down the road. Do you know what I mean? I, I think you guys got plenty to work on now. If you if you told me that you heard that unsafe somethings were happening, then I would make them a very high priority. But I wouldn't make them a high priority if something that's being said could be extrapolated to a future safety issue. I'm not sure that that's necessarily something I'd start with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now the hard work is decided. You know, sometimes you have to say that's not something we're working on right now, which is a very hard thing to say. Um, I find that Plan C can be painful for adults because it really is us saying, us being really vigilant about the fact that if we try to work on everything, we'll end up working on nothing, and we'd rather work on something. So it's sort of interesting um, it's painful for some people, uh, they've said to me, um, that there are things that they are just going to not let themselves work on for now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes not working on something means just not bringing it up, and sometimes not working on something, plan C, means coming up with some sort of an interim plan so that an unsolved problem doesn't come up in the first place. We're not solving it per se, but we may need to come up with a plan for how to keep it from coming up. And that's another form of Plan C. Um, but let me let me put you all on the spot here, and this is not something that really is only for the purposes of our practice, um, because there's no real rush to figure out what the unsolved problems are that are the highest priority, but we might as well get the conversation going. If you all had to pick two or three unsolved problems, either on the basis of safety, which I'm not necessarily getting a strong beat on, or frequency, which I'm not sure if I'm getting a strong beat on, which two or three unsolved problems do we think we need to start working on in a rather intensive way now that T is talking? Dr. Green, um, this is Lucy. I have a a question about that. So... um prioritizing these unsolved problems, that is something the teachers decide, or do they work with the student and say, you know, we've been noticing these. What do you think would be best? Great question. Great question. Um, Well, number one, it could be productive to go to T and say, here's the things we've noticed are getting in your way, getting you upset, causing you a hard time. We've been thinking about these because we know that trying to work on all of them at once is not possible. There's a lot of them. We're confident that we will be able to work on a lot of them, but not confident that we'll be able to work on all of them at once. She'll probably agree with that. And to get her input, um, my usual judgment call on whether we should seek the student's input or not is to make a decision about the degree to which we think the kid will actually care where we start. Given what I've heard about T strikes me that T is a kid who could care where we'd start, in which Mm -hmm. case I probably would consult with T about, and, you know, sometimes frequency is not necessarily what's 
biggest on the kid's radar screen. It For a kid, it might be the degree to which it's really bugging her, the degree to which she feels like it upsets her the most. Um, but T is the type of kid who I would most assuredly seek input from. Sometimes younger kids, if you said to them, look, we've got these eight unsolved problems we could work on. Which which do you think are bothering you the most and which do you think are giving you the most trouble? They'll kind of look at you with this blank look like, I'm not really even sure what you're talking about. But I don't think you're going to get that look from T. Now, worst case scenario, T says to you, I don't care. Just pick. Y'all pick, which is fine. We'll pick. What would we pick? What would we say? Well, I keep coming back to the academics because I just I feel kind of overwhelmed by her social lagging skills. Well, now, academic is one area, and it sounds like there are multiple unsolved problems within that global category. Mm-hmm. Social. I'm betting that there are multiple unsolved problems within social as well. You don't have to pick all academic or all social. It would be the bigger issue is to pick highly specific, two or three highly specific unsolved problems within each. Not not within each, total. Maybe I want to try to... Go ahead. I want to try to figure out what types of questions T has the most difficulty answering and try to isolate what is missing from her skill set that keeps her from answering those types of questions, but it's it's still something we haven't been able to ex- extrapolate from her yet. Is that, well, number one, it might be something that she'd be able to answer better with something in front of her. <laughs> right. Um, but that, would that be a, if we were to pick that as an unsolved problem, would that be across different academic tasks or one academic task in particular? Well, I kind of want to focus on the reading class because I know that that's getting her down a lot. Like she's really upset about that particular class. Got it. So that sounds like a, you know, you're not going to get much argument from me, by the way, on unsolved problems. I'm, you know, you, you make a little bit of a case and I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm less picky about where people start and more picky about the fact that they do start on two or three highly specific unsolved problems. That's so okay with me if you start someplace that I wouldn't start? That sounds like a fine place to start. This, this is Wilfred, the school counselor. I, I like the idea of of, <clears throat> of seeing if she would like to, to zero in on, on what it is that she gets, how, how is it that she gets so frustrated when her, when her grades drop? Because it, to me that's uh, kind of um, it's to, it's Typical of of some of her broader issues, it exemplifies this whole sort of um, per- perfectionism that she seems to have, and 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 control that she needs to keep o- over things, and the frustration she experiences when when that doesn't happen. Um, I'm not quite sure uh, where we would go with that. I think it might pay us to talk about that a little bit. I think there would also be overlap for self-image as well, because in both academics and in terms of keeping fit, she has come out and said, you know, she wants to get the good grades. She wants to be fit and athletic, but she doesn't necessarily always go about those goals in the correct way, and then when she doesn't achieve the goal or if she sets 
steps back a little, even if the setback is within a margin of error that would be acceptable. Like if someone is a B plus student and their grades range from Bs to As, she would always want to be at the B at the uh, A range of that and not understand why she ever got anything less than the A. In fitness, she wants to stay healthy and in shape, but the girl is starving herself two meals a day. I don't know, maybe we can try to pick something more specific from that, but to me it seems like there's a similar mentality. Well, food intake sounds like a potential unsolved problem. Figuring out what type of items she's having so much trouble with in reading sounds like a highly specific unsolved problem. There's two. Want to pick one more? Now, here's the thing, though. Here's what I'm learning about tea. It's not just those two things that are going to get her up, potentially get her upset between now and the next time we, well, between now and the fall, since this is our last program. Um, and we can we can do a little bit of talking offline about tea if you all want to, but um, she's going to get upset about other things. The mm-hmm. question is, can we table those things, those other things, and deal with them in ways that are not specific to Plan B, to, so as to table them, not to solve them? Otherwise, we're going to be working on too much at once. I, I love the two that you've got. It wouldn't be hard to convince me that they weren't two good ones, by the way. They're, they're two good ones, as, as good as some other things. Um, but then we have to really stick with what we've decided we're working on because what I'm learning about T is that it could be a very different things this week besides those two. And then if we try to work on those, we will no longer be working on the ones that we said we wanted to be working on, and that defeats the purpose. Dr. Green, could you give us some specific guidance on how you envision that process happening when you are actively in the day-to-day dealing with, you know, many students and and things are happening. What, you know, how would tabling look like, tabling an unsolved problem look like in the real real action-like setting, you know? Well, Define what you mean by the real action-like setting. If you're talking you're about the You're in the classroom? Of, okay, yeah, so like... Well, here's the thing. This is, this is another place where things can go awry. One of the things I would say about T, she's predictable. The problem mm-hmm. is the things that she's likely to go off about, there's a lot of them. Right. So the way we're doing this because we don't want to find ourselves in the heat of the moment. That's the worst possible timing, is we're saying, here are T's 8, 10, 12 unsolved problems, however Mm -hmm. many there are. We really need to be specific about what they are. That's what the ALSIP is for. Mm -hmm. Now comes the Plan B flow chart. Here's what Mm -hmm. we're working on with T right now. Here's what we're going to try to table with T right now. The things we are working on, that's plan B. And the plan B flowchart should help there. And we are arranging for times to meet with T and discuss the two or three unsolved problems that we've decided are going to be our top priorities. So the bigger question is, what do we do with the rest of them in the meantime? And quite frankly, the usual answer to that is proactive plan C. And that's us getting together with T. And, and 
here's the only hard part. I would do proactive plan C on the ones that we're sure are going to come up or the and the ones that we could come up with an interim plan for. Um, the others that we're putting in plan C, I would just not bring them up. So now comes the big question. We now have some other conversations we need to have with T. How are we going to take this particular issue and make it, make it a non-issue for now? It's still an unsolved problem. We're just not going to be working on it right now. And that's a different conversation with T, which is why, in T's case, I would sit down with her and say, your teachers put your heads together. We've observed the times that you're getting upset and the things that you're getting upset about. We have sort of our ideas about what might be best to start working on because we can't work on everything, but we wanted to get your ideas too. And then we're coming up with a final list of the two or three unsolved problems that we're going to start working with T on now. And in the case of T, she's the type of kid who I'd want to have be on board with that. I'd want her input, right? All of this, the interesting thing is, as I've been saying a lot lately, a lot of people think that plan B is the hardest part of implementing collaborative problem solving. Organizing the effort is the hardest part of doing collaborative problem solving Mm -hmm. because the whole effort needs to be organized in a way that has almost everything being proactive. Mm -hmm. So you all have about a month left of school. Uh, I'd strongly recommend that you use the next month for practice. Practice at, first and foremost, figuring out what the specific unsolved problems are that you could be working on. Then deciding which unsolved problems, presumably in collaboration with T, which unsolved problems we're working on right now, which unsolved problems we're not. That's another area of practice. So getting the list together is good practice, and deciding in collaboration with T what our priorities are, good practice. And then we got to get good practice at two more things, doing plan B on the ones that we've decided are our higher priorities, and doing proactive plan C on the ones that we've decided are our low priorities. Because the fact that we've decided that they are low priorities doesn't mean that we're done with them. We need to do something with them. We're just not solving them yet. How do we deal with those unsolved problems in a way that has them not coming up or that has T not getting upset about them, even though we're actually not trying to solve them yet per se? Does that distinction make sense? It does make sense, but I'm trying to still figure out how 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 to even though the low priorities to consistently provide the proactive plan C you know I'm I'm sort of still struggling with that part. Let's pick one. Let's we we've picked two that we think are going to be plan B. And in our last program, we talked about what Plan B would look like, and it sounds like Plan B went okay this week. It just needs a little bit of refining so that we can actually feel that we're working on a specific unsolved problem and making some headway on it. Mm -hmm. Now let me ask what may be an even harder question. What's Plan C? And we'll use that example to think about what proactive Plan C would look like. Anything that anybody wants to nominate is something that, he could get upset about or that could be an unsolved problem for her, but that would be a low priority right now to the point that we'd rather table it than work on it. Any suggestions? The other kids being noisy in class. 
The other kids being noisy in class. All right. Here's what it would sound like. T, remember we've decided we're working on um, this unsolved problem and that unsolved problem, and that we decided that the other kids being noisy in class is not one that we're going to try to solve right now. Let me ask a question. What should we do about that problem right now so that it doesn't come up for you or so that it doesn't bother you so much? Notice this is a very different conversation. We're not starting with T's concerns. That would be plan B. We're not adding our concerns. That would be the define the problem step of plan B. We're not thinking of a mutually satisfactory solution so that the problem is solved. What we are now engaging T in is a conversation about how to just make sure that this problem doesn't come up. So she might say, how about I just do my workout in the hallway? And, and I, have no, I have no clue if these are plausible, but how about I um, wear earplugs? Who knows if that's viable? Um, so, the, the, you know, this might sound a little bit like plan B, but this is a discussion not aimed at actually solving the problem, but a discussion aimed at minimizing it, adapting to it, making modifications so that it doesn't come up. That's proactive plan C on that unsolved problem. Does that help? Yes. Thank you. It should take less time. And so ultimately, two or three weeks from now, we should have an, an interim plan for the things that are plan C, and we should have some plan Bs in our rearview mirror of things that we've been working on um, to as solutions for the high-priority unsolved problems that we've actually decided to tackle. Now, here's the thing. Many people listening, and maybe even you all, might be thinking, wow, that's a lot of time. A lot of time devoted to one student. Well, I agree. I also agree that it took a long time for this pile of unsolved problems to accumulate. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a long time to get on top of it. And I wish I had one fell swoop that was going to do it. But the reality is it took a long time to get here. It's going to take a long time to get ourselves out of it. A month from now, we should, if we are diligent about it, have something to show for the time that we've been putting in. And I guess really the most convincing thing I can say is if we keep doing what we've been doing that is what set the stage for the unsolved problems to accumulate in the first place, the task is even going to be even more daunting mm -hmm. when she comes back in September. Sure. So it's almost like I know that we don't have the time to do it, but I also know that we don't have the time not to do it. Mm -hmm. So there you have it. On that note, I hate to say this, we never got to our two questions from our emailers today. I'll try to email them back individually because we're not going to get to it on the program today. And um, I do want to thank you all for doing this. This, this I think, was very informative for many, many people. That's the feedback I've been getting from many people all over the place who are dying to know where any town high school is, but my lips are sealed. Um, but we'll talk offline about what it might look like for us to continue this next year, but I want to thank you very much for doing this, and I hope you have found it to be beneficial, at least to the point that we've gotten along so far. 
Thank you, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you very much. You bet. We'll talk offline about what next year is going to look like. In the meantime, it looks like we are um, done for the year, done for today, done for the school year, always the saddest program ever. I hate it when we're done for the year, but um, I guess all good things, what's the song? All good things got to come to an end. Of course, that's Jackson Brown. Who else? Uh, listen, um, have a great rest of the school year. Have a great summer. And um, I look forward to being with you again next school year on Collaborative Problem Solving at School. Take care. <laughs>